Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. We're going to talk about the apostolic today. So if you can turn with me to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 11. You can hold your place there. Uh, last year, a little over a year ago, I did a, a five or six part series on the apostolic. Um, if I had more time today, I would do what I did then, and I would spend two or one or two sessions just strictly on character. And speaking on gifting and the apostolic gifting, I would start with speaking on character, and I did during that series because it is utmost importance that when we're talking about the grace gifts of the Lord, whether it be the apostolic or the prophetic or any other gifts, uh, if your gifting is growing past your character and you're caring more about the gifts of the Spirit than the fruit of the Spirit, the very gifts that you carry will crush you if you're not building up in character and the characteristics of Christ. Those are meant to be grown up in together. And I know there's like... The other side of it is like, oh, no, the fruits of the Spirit are more important than the gifts of the Spirit. And I would just say, don't you want the fullness of God? Why not get all of him? You know, why not grow in the fruits and the gifts? Because you got one camp growing in the gifts, but they don't grow in the fruit. you got one camp growing in the fruits, but they don't grow in the gifts. And I'm just like, can we just grow into the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ? Let's, let's take his fruit with his gifts. All right? We get a fruit basket and a gift basket. <laughs> From the Lord. But the title of today's message um, is Apostolic, Apostolic Body Builders, okay? Apostolic Body Builders. And I have been um, captured with this reality that the Lord wants to build his church. Not only does God want to build his church, he's called us to build his church and to build his house. I've spoken to you a couple times now and, and have addressed certain things of how we approach the Lord. We'll talk a little bit again on that today. How we approach the Lord is revealed in Scripture, meaning I understand when we get saved, he says, come as you are. But once you have been saved, he starts to tell you how to come. Now, it's better that you just show up, right? If you don't feel ready, I'd rather you in the doors than not knowing. But part of our job as leaders, as pastors, is saying, hey, the Scripture shows us there's a way in which God desires to be approached. And one of the things, you know, we sang in it, Psalm 100, we've been sharing it. We come into his house with thanksgiving. We come into his courts with praise. And he wants to build his house according to his way and not our way. Why? Because it's his church. And that's a very simple reason. And there's many other reasons, but boiled down, we're building his house according to his way simply because this is his church. It's his house. It's his way. And when I speak of the church, yes, I'm referring to Life Center, but I'm also just speaking to the church, the body of Christ. And... When we're looking at the building of his house, we see that the apostolic and the prophetic are the foundation of his church. We see that in Ephesians 2, that he, he builds the church upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And so the foundation of our lives, the foundation of our churches, of our families, should look like, hey, Christ is the chief cornerstone. He's the chief of this house. He's the leader of this house. He's the, the foundation that we stand on, the substance that we build with, the substance that we stand on. He's, he's the foundation. He's the walls. He's the roof. He's the air that fills the house. He's the door. He's the window. He's every part of our house. You get what I'm saying? Like we don't want, I don't want to build a house that looks like me. I want to build a house that looks like him. And that goes for this house, and it goes for the house that I'm building even with my, my wife, with my kids. You guys good? All right, I'm used to a little talking back, so feel free. <laughs> a little, a little, uh, little communication will be good. Make me know that you're alive, you're listening. And uh, not that I need it. I don't need it. It's just, it helps me to know. Otherwise, if you're quiet, I'm going to keep lingering on the same thing I've been talking about. I'm like, maybe they're not, they're not getting it. Anyway. So with the apostolic and the prophetic ministry, uh, for me... And I think for us, we're not to look at it like titles. We, I think we live in a day where there's a renewal or revival of sorts of the apostolic or the prophetic and prophets and apostles, and we're not gonna get into all that today. 
but the point that I'm making is, whether it's apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, whatever title you want to, to put into this conversation, we, we live in a culture where people are seeking titles, okay? And it happens even in the church, and I think that stems from the world's culture, where there's this desire to be in charge, or CEO, or president, or entrepreneur, or, you know, you want to trend on social media and become the next influencer, and Whatever it is, there is this desire for titles, for promotions, for positions. But the apostolic, the prophetic ministry, they're not to be looked at in that way because they are, they are a work. The title in, in and of itself is meant to give action or to describe and put to action a work. Meaning when you, when you get this title, when you're called to the apostolic, you're called maybe to a pastor, you're called to lead, maybe the Lord calls you to, to be a, even a leader in your house, and actually, I don't know if you know this, but you're all leaders in this room, because you're all at least called to lead one person, and that's yourself, right? You're at least leading yourself in the way that God has said you're to go. If you maybe you wanna get married one day and have kids, you're gonna be leading your household, and there's this, even culture, I don't know if you've, you've heard it in the household, like with parents and kids, you've heard the phrase, do as I say and not as I do. Um, no, just my family. Love you, mom and dad. <laughs> no, they didn't do that. But, well, sometimes. Do as I say and not as I do. But it's almost this way even in church, right? Where we as leaders are telling people to, well, you're supposed to live in this way, you're supposed to do this, but then we don't walk that out ourselves. And part of that is, part, is this thing of seeking out of titles, of positions, rather than doing the Paul thing, where Paul says, follow Christ, but if you don't yet know how to follow Christ, then imitate me as I follow him. And what leadership is supposed to look like is yes, I'm teaching you in the way that you're to go, but I'm also modeling it out. And the reason I say this is as, as an apostolic people, as a prophetic people and an apostolic model, we are trying to communicate we need all hands on deck. Meaning we're not just gonna be the ones to do all the stuff. So we are trying to activate and equip the saints for the work of ministry and teach you and impart gifts to you so that you can go and do this stuff. And sometimes it can look like, well, you, they're just constantly telling me what to do, but they're not actually doing anything themselves. And it can become that when it's, when it's uh, pursued or thought of as just simply a title or position. But the apostolic, the prophetic in nature, this grace gift, the very nature of it is that it is a work. Meaning this gifts, these gifts that we get from the Lord, these gifts of the Spirit, it's not so much like a Christmas gift where you open up and you get a video game and you're gonna go enjoy it. But it's like you got a Christmas gift and you open up the gift and it was a toolbox filled with tools. That's the type of gift that this is looking like. Meaning, hey, it's time to roll up your sleeves because this gifts, these gifts that I've given you, it's to do the work of ministry. And I think so many times we think of, a, think of it as the gifts of ministry, but you're being equipped, we're equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. Everyone say work. And now that could trigger some of you because I know some of us, we, we wake up on Monday and, and we're about to head to our nine to five and when we hear the word work, it's not actually attached to enjoyment or pleasure. A lot of times it's, it's attached to the thing, well, I have to do this so I can make money so that I can then do what I want to do. And we think of work as something that we are forced to do or we have to do so then we can then go do the thing that gives us pleasure or that we want to do, but that's the way of the world. The way of the kingdom, he hands us a work, and let me tell you something, it, it is work, it is effort, it does take strength, it does take ability, it does take practice, it is tedious at times, it does feel draining at times, but I promise you, when you do it with the Holy Spirit and when you do it in the presence of the Lord, it's a lot, a lot of fun. Because then you get to do the work of ministry along with Christ, and you get to do the, hey, take upon my yoke, take upon my burden that it's, it's easy and it's light, okay? But I just want you to know, this is, this all hands on deck, this everyone activated, everyone growing, everyone being discipled, everyone discipling, you know, and you hear the phrases, and, and I've said it too, and we're, if we're doing our job, then you're gonna do and see more of the stuff, more of the signs, more of the wonders, more of the miracles than ever, ever we will see, because my ceiling is supposed to be your floor, as a father, my ceiling is supposed to be the floor of my children, meaning they don't need to fight the same battles I fought because I gained victory and now I 
I extend my favor to them to walk in the victory so they can actually live from a place of victory, not fighting for the victories that I've already fought for. And as leaders in the church, we are, we are aiming to make our ceiling your floor, but that doesn't mean we stop doing the stuff. We keep doing the stuff to be a model so that you can watch and see and say, okay, if it's for them, then it's also for me. Does that make sense? So as an apostolic leader, that doesn't then position me simply just to teach the stuff, I need to demonstrate it. I need to do the work of the apostolic and I need to do the work of the prophetic. And Paul even tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 5, he says, Tim, do the work of the evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Ephesians 11, which if you've turned there, Ephesians 4, verse 11, we can read it together. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so this is, this is a five-fold ministry is for the perfecting of the saints for the work, the work of ministry. If you want to turn with me, well, most of you don't have a physical Bible. Turn back to Ephesians 2, verse 19. I don't know, I just like my physical Bible. There's just something about it. It's got like marks on it. Pages have creases. Some of them are falling out. It encourages me. Like, oh, maybe I do read the Bible. Your phone's all cracked. You can't even see the verse. It's like <laughs> you're getting text messages. It's just, anyway. So Ephesians, Ephesians 2, verse 19 says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the house." Hold of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built. Someone say being built. Being built. We are being built together for a dwelling place or a resting place of God in the spirit. And so you know, this is not my idea. I didn't decide Jesus is gonna build his church on the apostolic and the prophetic. We see right here in Ephesians 2, he has built the, on the foundation, the house of God is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and an apostolic anointing and a prophetic anointing of an apostolic work and a prophetic work, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And so when we, when we look at the role of the apostolic and the prophetic, we see here what it looks like to build the house. To build his house is to build his body. To build the house of the Lord is to build the body of Christ. And the work of the apostolic is to be an, a spiritual body builder. And if we understand the Great Commission, this is not just something for, like I said, the person with the mic to be a body builder. He said to all of us, go into the world and disciple nations. He didn't say, senior pastor, go into the world and disciple nations. He said, believer, go into the world and disciple nations. He didn't say, senior leaders, go into the world and cast out demons and heal the sick and preach the gospel. He said, believer, these signs will follow those who believe, Mark 16. They shall cast out demons, they shall heal the sick, they shall raise the dead. Matthew 28, lo, I am with you always. He's not just with the senior pastor, he's not just with the leadership team, he's with you. And so there is an apostolic call on your life. There is an apostolic anointing on your life to go and do the work of ministry. In other words, there is an assignment, like an architectural role. This is what the apostolic looks like. It's almost like an architectural role that is concerned with the design, the makeup, the structure, and the quality of the body of Christ and the believer. And this is important for us to understand because we need people who are concerned with the structure of the church. We need people who are concerned with the quality of the believer. And me as an individual, I need to be concerned with the quality of my heart, the quality of my pursuit of the Lord. It's not just about quantity. How many times do I show up and check off the box and come to church and now I'm good? What is the quality of my showing up at church? And again, I'm not referring to how you serve me or serve this church or serve how you serve the Lord. What's the quality of my worship? Am I singing the song or am I singing to him? What's the quality of my prayer? If I, am I just making requests into the air or am I having conversation intentionally with the one who created me? We're not living a life to check off the box. What's the quality of our walk? 
We need people who are concerned with the quality of this body. Too many are comfortable with the way things are. People are comfortable with the level of strength that the church is at, or they'll get comfortable with the level of the harvest that the church is experiencing, or even the level of blessing that the church is experiencing. You see, you can't be too comfortable with the way things are when the very nature of the apostolic and the prophetic is to say, there is more. The very nature of what the apostles and the prophets were doing in the early church is saying, hey, there is more to this. We're not just gonna stay where we are. We're not gonna stay in, I mean, you see it in, in Paul's teaching. He's saying to the Corinthians, don't stay in the quarreling. Don't approach the, the table of the Lord in an unworthy matter. There's more to the table than what you think. We see him in approaching uh, to, to Timothy and he's teaching him that whether he's physically young, some theologians think he's a teenager, some think maybe he's just young in ministry, but he says, listen, don't worry about what people are saying about you. In fact, don't make them respect you just because you hold the position of leadership. There's more to leadership than just the title, Timothy. Take the words and the prophecies and the impartation. Do something with what you got for free. Fight the good fight of warfare. Wrestle with it and live your life in such a way that you don't have to demand their respect. They will honor you because of the way you live in front of them. He was calling him higher. He was calling him more. He was calling him to a higher measure in the stature of Christ. As leaders, as friends, as we're doing the iron sharpens iron thing, we are to call, yourself, call ourselves higher. We're to call each other higher. It means there is, a, there is an apostolic uh, grace given to us to measure the quality of our walk and what we're doing as individuals and as a corporate body. You hear that, Life Center? He's calling us higher. You hear that, Life Center? There's more. Do not become comfortable and satisfied just simply where you are right now. I don't know about you, but when I measure my life against Scripture in the Ephesians prayer, where it says that he would open the eyes of the understanding, that we would know the height, step, width, length, the love of Christ that, that surpasses understanding, that we'd be, we would be filled with all the fullness of Christ, I don't quite think I'm filled with all the fullness of Christ yet. There's more. There's more. How do I know that? Because I still have stuff I need to work on. I still disrespect my parents sometimes. I love you guys. I still, <laughs> I still don't treat my kids with gentleness and love at times. I still don't pursue my friends in the way that they, they need to be pursued. I'm not always exhibiting the love of Christ in the way that he's called me to. And so I know there's more, and I need others around me, fathers and mothers around me, to measure, to measure the quality, and call me higher. And say, do you know what, Rich? You're better than that. There's more for you than, than what you've been walking in. And not just that, but in, there's a measure to the power of the church, the power of the body that needs to be restored. We need to, 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 to power up and level up. I'm telling you, there is a, there is a okayness. There is a comfortability with the level of authority and power that the church has. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is calling us and waking us up. There's more. The apostolic and the prophetic, it says to the, to the makeup, to your DNA, the way you think, the way you are, the way you talk, the way you walk, it says, listen, right now, it is too low for what God wants to release, and we need to bring you higher. And this is not a, a message to condemn you. I told Colt, I was like, I feel like, I, feel like I, I hope they don't think I'm rebuking them. So if you think I'm rebuking you, just know it's you, not me. And this, he's... But there is an invitation to come up higher. The conviction, that's right. That's what Colt told me too. You're not, you're not rebuking them. There's a conviction. I feel convicted that I, I just, I don't want to do business as usual. I don't want to just do church. I don't want to just do fellowship. I don't want to just show up, check off the box, and then go home. I want to do the work. And you know what? Work does, it does look like the work of ministry. It's, it's a rolling up of the sleeves and it's getting the hands dirty. It's work. It's messes to be cleaned up, but you know what? There's glory on the other side. The Apostle Paul, even when speaking of himself in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, he describes himself as a wise master builder. He's an apostle. He's, he didn't choose it. That's what the Lord called him. He's walking in apostolic anointing. He says, hey, this is part of what the apostolic looks like. There's wisdom, there's mastering, and there's building. 
And the Lord wants to increase wisdom over us. He wants to increase mastery over us. What do I mean by that? That we would become masters of the ways of Christ. Because it's talking about his house. Not that you'd become a you know, master physician or a master accountant. Or the, and those things might happen. And those things are great. But masters in the way of Christ. And master builder. What is he building? He's not building Paul's house. He's building God's house. But Paul understood that he wasn't building a, a physical structure. He was building a people. And, we mis- and the mistake that we make is to see the apostolic uh, as a role similar to CEO of an organization. And so when we talk about uh, leaders building, we think business or structure or that we were to administer something or administer a, 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 a plan or, or, or whatever. But I feel like we need to, to see something more clearly. God sends and sent apostles to people. He sent them to people. And the apostolic is not so much concerned with the structure of a 501c3. The apostolic is not so much concerned with, with the structure of a business or, or an organization or an org chart or the order of a service. Uh, the apostolic is not so much concerned with those things than he is with the structure of a people who comprise the body, who make up the body. They are not building buildings. They are not church builders in the sense of building an entity. They are bodybuilders. And I've said this for years. We, we are not interested in building a big ministry. In fact, we're not interested in building a big church. We are interested in building big people. And we're going to call you higher. We're going to speak to the capacity of your life, and we're going to declare that it be expanded. And the other thing that I've been convicted of lately as a leader, and I was having a conversation with a friend, and what have I learned in this, this past two years, this past season? I said, you know what I've learned? I've learned how to disciple people, not just in the ministry of what I do in the house that I'm in, but I've learned to disciple people in the way that God thinks that they should go according to their life. Because what happens as a leader, when you're, I'm just discipling someone who serves in my church and teaching them how to serve just simply in the arena I need them to serve in, what I'm communicating to them, I care more about your gift than your heart. And so what I begin to learn is, I, 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 Rich, we're gonna build the gift, but don't forget to build the body. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna build the vocation, but let's build the person. Let's build the heart, let's build the spirit, let's build the character, let's build the relationship. In fact, I want to make an announcement. You are not called to do this life alone. You're meant to do it in community. And so part of being in order, because we could be out of order, part of being in order with Christ is doing life in community and not in isolation. And what the enemy does is he, he wants to isolate you because if he can isolate you to do your life by yourself, then he can put you out of order with Christ. Do you know part of your destiny is to do life in community? That's part of your calling and your identity. Meaning you should be doing a work on relationships. We should be masters at relationships, not to get so that we can get something out of them, but so we can give something to them. First Corinthians 12, we find Paul in the middle of giving instruction on how to build the body how to build the Lord's body. And he's talking about many different parts, but one spirit, a diversity of gifts, but of the same spirit. And then here in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12, we see, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, after that gifts of healing, after that helps, after that administrations or governments of leadership, after that variety of tongues. And here we see, a list of gifts, and if, if you notice, because remember, we connect the apostolic and we think CEO, someone that's gonna administer a thing. But here, the apostolic and administration or governments or leadership, there are two different things. They're listed separately. And so what we need to realize is just because we have a business plan or we are administrative in nature and we can get things done doesn't necessarily mean we have apostolic DNA. And if your plan or the way that you're building isn't building the body, then the plan isn't apostolic. So if we're simply 
I mean, we're, we're hitting the same point from many different angles. But if, if we're remembering the foundation the church is built on is apostolic and prophetic, and that the call of the apostle is to build the person, to build the body, then we need to know that the mission, the vision of our life should be as bodybuilders. We should be focusing in the kingdom of God of building people up and building ourselves up in our most holy faith. That we're not just, you know, there was a model of church in the, in the late 90s and in the 2000s where it really was, it was borrowed from the world, right? And it was this idea of, hey, if we build a big enough church and we have enough people, then, then the world won't be able to ignore it, which is, it's good. That's, that has some truth to it. But the reality is this, they borrowed uh, styles of marketing saying, hey, if we structure our service in this way, if we, if we do it a certain way, then more people will come. And, and what, the, what happened is they begin to build a ministry about, about what the people wanted and what, what the people would desire so that more people would come and the church would grow. But what happens is, if you build on that, you're not building on the foundation of the apostolic and prophetic, and you're building a tall, big building, but that can still easily fall over. Because it's not built on Christ. It's built on what the people want and not what Christ wants. And we see this in the Bible over and over again. You guys remember Israel? They were in wars and they wanted a king. And who did God give them? He gave them the king they wanted and not the king they needed. So he gives them Saul because they wanted a warrior king, but they couldn't understand that they needed a king after God's own heart because the king after God's own heart would know that his king is the warrior king. And so he gives them Saul when really they needed David. And what happens is in our churches, in our ministries, sometimes we build according to what we think the people want instead of what they actually need. And what the apostolic and the prophetic does, the apostolic can begin to see, hey, what, what exists in the heavenly places? What is it that the Lord wants to build? What is it that we need? And we build according and around the Lord. We put him at the center of what we do. You guys good? Okay. Thank you, Mariah. <laughs> I'll give you 20 bucks after. That's, uh, yeah, that I, I <laughs> 40, there we go. All right, one, one, of the, one of the roles of the apostolic is to increase capacity and thus increasing the church. The apostolic, we see in Galatians 3, verse 7 to 9, that the apostolic anointing gives us eyes to see that Jesus is not only king, he's not only Lord, but he is the seed of Abraham. Not a seed as though there's many, but he is the seed of Abraham. And when you understand what, that reali what, what you realize is that Christ himself is an investment of God into the earth and God desires a reproduction, a harvest on his investment. He's looking for a return on his investment. He sowed his son as the seed and he's looking for us to harvest the growth of that seed in the earth. And he's demanding on the church a return on his investment. Romans 8, we see that Christ is the firstborn among many brethren. And so the apostolic has a concern to the church and says, how much of Jesus is being reproduced in our congregation? How much of Jesus is being reproduced in my generation? And how much of Jesus is being reproduced in my life? And what it does is it gives us different measuring tools. And we stop picking up the measuring tools of the world and we pick up the measuring tools of heaven and we say, is this producing Christ? Is this producing his character? Is this producing his gifts? Is this producing his fruit? Does this look like Christ, smell like Christ, sound like Christ? When this church is squeezed, does Christ come out of it? And you get a sponge and you squeeze, you got all that nasty water. But unless you took care of the sponge and you cleaned it afterwards, you, squeeze, you got good water come out of it. It's like, what, what are we putting into the church? Are we building it with him? It reorients the way we measure. It redefines what success looks like in the church and in our lives. The apostolic makes us more concerned with Christ than, than us being concerned with where are we going to work? What, am I, what, what do I drive? What's my title? What's my position? It get, gives us more concern with what is the goal and the mission that God has in my generation than what is my status in this generation. 
I mean, guys, we, we all, we're all, we're in it. We're tempted by it. We all see it with, between social media and you're walking around and it's like, well, what do you wear? Like, do they, are their sneakers dirty? Are they crisp? They clean? They got fresh kicks? They got new clothes? The, what are they driving? Are you driving a 1999 Toyota or did they got the Range Rover? Or where do you live? Are you living, you living in the, the basement apartment in Queens or do you got the penthouse overlooking Central Park? I mean, the, these measuring tools, they seep into the church. Well, what kind of chairs do you have? What sound system do you have? What speakers do you have? What, what instruments do they play? How's your singers? How's your, how, how's your worship service? As if we could measure the worship service by earthly measures. Because really what they mean is, how's your service? How many people were there? Did you get people to sing and dance? And do cartwheels? But the apostolic gets us looking at the heart of the Lord. It gets us measuring with his tools, with his, his, his systems, his ways. Where an administrator would be concerned with walking out programs and groups and structure, the apostolic is concerned with building bigger people. Now we're gonna have groups and we're gonna have structure and we're gonna do the small group thing and the home group thing. We're gonna do those things, but the goal isn't that we're doing church in the way that builds and multiplies according to the standard of marketing and and, and uh, not psychology, the other one, philosophy, according to what people like and how people grow and how people get connected and, and the ways of people. No, we're concerned with the ways of Christ. If you give the people the way of Christ, they will come. If you give the people the real thing, they will come. We get concerned with, well, let's not do all the crazy Holy Spirit stuff on, on a Sunday morning because people are new. But you know what? There wasn't, there wasn't a, a new believer's church and a mature believer's church. There was just one church. And they just gave them what the Lord was handing out. And when it looked crazy, Jesus said, are you too gonna leave because they all left when I just said something crazy? And then Peter says, no, Lord, for you alone hold the words of eternal life. Jesus himself wasn't interested in just giving the people what they wanted. He wanted to bring them what they needed, which was him. And so the early church, they were not so much concerned with the excellence of running a 501c3 or a church or a mega church as much as they were concerned with the quality of the people who made up their church. And you have to know, they didn't even, you know, they didn't have 501c3s back then. They didn't have sound systems. They didn't have speakers. They didn't have buildings like this with lights and smoke machines and stages. And they didn't have podcasts and they didn't have live streams and they didn't, they weren't keeping up with the latest church trends. And so you have to ask yourself the question, what am I building? What are we building, Life Center? What are we building, Church of New York City? What are we building in our households? What are we building in our friendships and in our communities? What are we building? Say, what are we building? What are we building if we have these great big edifices? We have these great big buildings, but the quality of the believer is weak. Where the witch and the warlock have more might in a city than the church. What are we building when the church itself doesn't know how to take authority over the powers and the principalities of the government systems of the age that we live in? Because there is a very real battle, a spiritual battle. battle. You know, we're not fighting the governor. We're fighting governmental systems. We're not fighting each other. And though much of you may think you're fighting your boss because you can't stand them, but you're, you're fighting a system and a culture that they've come up into that doesn't look like the culture of heaven. And you see this with Daniel. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are able to come into a Babylonian system. And what Israel couldn't do, they got defeated by war after war and they're getting pillaged. What Israel as a nation couldn't do, Daniel and these three guys, these, these four guys, these best friends, they determined not to defile themselves, not to give in to the culture of the day, but to stay in kingdom culture and to stay on the foundation of Christ. They choose not to defile themselves. And what happens is what Israel couldn't do as a whole nation, these four guys dismantle from the inside, from top to bottom. And they outlast three or four kingdoms. Three or four systems. What it would look like, what would it look like if there was might restored to the church like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like Daniel, if there was a people who chose not to measure according to the systems of this world, though they were masters of the systems of Babylon, 
They were 10 times wiser than all the other Babylonian teachers and magicians. They knew all the stuff and knew all the sayings. They knew what it meant to be in and not of, and they weren't afraid to be in because they knew they were of a greater place. And they come into the Babylonian system and culture, which very much looks like a New York system and culture. And they're able to stand and walk into fires, but there's a fourth man in the fire. What would it look like if a church began to measure herself by the way God measures and she begins to, to become a congregation of the mighty? What if might begins to be restored to the church? What would happen to the educational system? What would happen to the governmental system if we begin to, to, to know how to pray and how to talk? What if we became so concerned with our DNA, our heart, our culture, and the quality of our walk as Christians and we begin to actually mature? and we begin to actually build ourselves up, and we begin to build the body. What if we became, like Paul said, wise master builders? We would turn the city around. We would turn, we'd be like the disciples where it says, oh, here are these guys. The mayor of the town says, oh, here, these guys are coming, watch out. These are the ones who, who are turning the world upside down. Do you know that's what you're supposed to be? You're supposed to be a body who turns the world upside down? Who your walk has such an effect that it shifts whole systems? And governments, if you don't, I'm letting you know today. <laughs> Ephesians 4:13. We read this already, but I want to point out the scripture again. Start in, uh, we'll just read the whole thing again. <clears throat> for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, it's the fivefold, it's for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What if we stopped trying to match up to the status quo of the day, but the status we became concerned with was the status of Christ? To measure ourselves up to the stature of Christ. I'm telling you, you'll live freer. You won't look at someone and be like, oh, I wish I had their money, I wish I had their job, I wish I had their fame, I wish I had their influence when the one who lives in you has all the fame, all the money, all the power, all the influence, and you have access to that because he lives in you. And all you need to do is learn how to measure up to the stature of him and to grow up into him. We have the worship team coming up. We need to be concerned with how much power is in the church. And the apostolic knows how to measure the church. They know how, if we as a church are, are succeeding, they know what that looks like. And I ask myself the question, as an individual, as a church, as a ministry, how do I know that we're succeeding? What's the measuring tool? Well, one of them is Matthew 16. Why don't you turn there with me? Verse 18. Jesus says, I will build my church and they will all get along. No. Jesus says, I will build my church and the charismatics will get along with the, the reformed. No. He says, I will build my church and there'll be no fighting. No. I will build my church and there'll be peace. No. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So when I'm looking at the church, the congregation, and I'm looking at myself, I'm asking the question, is, are the gates of hell prevailing? Because if they're prevailing, then there's work to be done. If the gates of hell are prevailing in my life, there is work to be done. And that's okay, because he's equipped you to do the work. He says, I'm gonna build my house. And if we build the house in the way that he says that we should build it, the gates of hell will not prevail. And so if the gates of hell are prevailing against the church of a city, then there needs to be an adjustment to the way that we're building the house because then we're not building according to his measurements. He needs to be at the center. Can I give you a few more verses? Good, I was gonna do it anyway. Hebrews 2, verse 5. It says, for he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. 
you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that, now listen, for in that he put all in subjection under him, and he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Look at that again. All things have been put under him. And then he begins to define what's all from the other side. Nothing has not been put under him. There is no thing that remains in existence that has not put under, been put under subjection, meaning is subject to Christ, to his authority. Yet we don't see it under him. And what the apostolic does, it, it begins to see in the scriptures what are the things that have been put under him. We know it to be true doctrinally. We know it to be true by our theology, by our belief, but yet we don't see it. It's not manifest in our everyday life, meaning the manifestation of that truth is not existing in our cities and in our nations. There are still rulers and principalities that have not been put under his feet. And so, a couple verses later, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It doesn't read like that in the original. What it reads like in the original is, what has already been bound in heaven, you will bind on the earth. What has already been loosed in heaven, you will loose on earth, which makes sense with what was just read in Hebrews 2. Meaning this, what the apostolic does is it gives us eyes to see what has already been bound. It reminds us, hey, these things that you are fighting, these, these principalities and powers that you're warring against, they've already been put in subjection under me. Yet you don't see it that way, but I need you to grab a hold to what the reality is in heaven, and if it's bound in heaven, bind it on the earth. If it's loosed in heaven, loose it on the earth. And these things that we wrestle with in our lives, he's already put it under his subjection. They're under his feet. And though you may not see it, what we do as an apostolic community is we build ourselves up and we call ourselves higher until we see all things put under subjection to him. Does that make sense? No? Yes? I hope it does. Colossians 2 says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Meaning he already disarmed principalities, yet we still see these in actions over our cities and governments. And that is why the apostolic needs to come to the church. For me, if, I, if I'm not seeing the gates of, if I'm seeing the gates of hell prevail in my life or in my church, then I'm, I need to ask the Lord for apostolic grace. For an empowerment to lay again the foundations. And when we do this, we begin to learn that we're not warring for victory as if it hasn't already been won. But we begin to war and fight the good fight of our faith from a place of victory knowing that these things of life that come up to us to torment, to tear down, to stumble and trip up. There is a grace that is released to believe by faith that we already have victory and to walk out our victory. We're not just trying to put on conferences or big events. We're not trying to put together a network of, of home groups or small groups simply for the sake of connection and church growth. We are moving the body towards discipling nations, to growing up in the stature of the measure of Christ. And the apostolic opens the eyes to the only commission given to the church, which we see in Matthew 28, and the only church growth strategy that has been given. And the apostolic understands that though today there's many who might say there are many new assignments or new callings, but we get called back to the original one. Go into all your world. Make disciples. 
I'm running out of time. If I had more time, I'd go a little bit into the, to the role of the prophetic, but I don't have time today. But I'll end with this last one. Because uh, God is concerned, as I've been saying, with the quality of the church and his people. But Leviticus 10, you get a picture that these men came to God in Leviticus 10, verse 1, and, and they were bringing the Lord an offering. But that offering was called strange fire. And what does that mean? Basically, there was an incense, incense, incense formed with the wrong materials. It was something that was created by man's inspiration rather than God's instruction. And we don't want to build our lives or even, it's why I've been on this so often of there's a way in which God desires to be approached because I don't want to come into his house. I don't want to bring, I don't want to come into his house without bringing him anything. I don't want to come in empty handed. I want to come in the way that he's told me to come in because the, if we do it according to his way, we find him on the other side. When he says to come in with thanksgiving, to come in with praise, it's because those are the door, that, that's the doorway that leads to him. And we'll find him there. And I'm not saying if you worship the wrong way, God's gonna kill you like he did in Leviticus 10. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is if we make worship about us, if we build a service around us instead of around his presence, then we, we've entered into that strange fire thing. And we're saying, God, come purify the fire. Come refine the fire. Come refine the pursuit of my heart. Lord, if there's anything in me that's of selfish ambition or selfish ways or just looking out for me, Lord, kill that part in me. Kill that part in my heart. If there's any place in my heart that's grown lukewarm, Lord, set it on fire again. If there's any part in my heart where I'm building not according to the foundations that you've laid, Lord, reset my foundations, reset my order. I am becoming concerned with the quality of my heart, with the way I talk, the way I walk, the way I think, the way I worship, the way I read this scripture. I don't want to take it lightly. God even told Moses, you better build Moses according to my pattern, according to the way I gave it to you on the mountain. He's concerned with the quality of the build. And I would ask you today, how are you building your life? What is the quality of your walk with God? What does your structure look like? Are you bringing God a return on the investment of his son in your life? Are you walking to fulfill the will of God over your life? Are you more concerned about where you live and what you drive and where you work and what's in your bank account and what you wear than the quality of your work of ministry and your work of love? Are you concerned about the divine purpose of which you've been called? Are you concerned with the go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Are you concerned about teaching people to observe all the things that Christ has commanded us to observe? Are we concerned about the presence of the Lord and hosting Him, where He says, Lo, I, I want to be with you always. Are we concerned about Him being with us? Are we concerned about these signs following those that believe? Are we concerned with the way that God is measuring us about what's on His heart? stand together. I know this can feel like a very heavy message and it's not going to be a, a, a very amen shouting message because it challenges us to think. And I want to challenge you today. I'm not here trying to get you to do more things at this church. Though we would appreciate the help. <laughs> I'm not here to try to force you all to sign up for a small group. I'm not here today to, to make you give more money. I'm not here today to make you do the things that this world measures. Though some, we're going to do all those things. I'm here to call you to the work of ministry. I'm here to call you to the thing that he called you to from the beginning. I mean, look at me, I'm not a bodybuilder in the natural, okay? But when you work out, I know this because I read it, not because I've experienced it, okay? And I see it manifested in some of you. But when you work out, right, and you're trying to go up in weights and lift higher weights, you, you gotta lift to the breaking point. 
you, know, you do the heaviest weight you do for as many reps as you can until you can't do it anymore and then you do it over and over again so that the next week when you come in to do that same set, you're lifting a little heavier of a weight. You're doing a, a few more reps, a few more sets than what you could do before because there's a stretching of the muscle. There's a tearing of the muscle that allows this revealing of a weakness that can be strengthened. And he's calling you to be a spiritual bodybuilder in his house for his body, to build according to the way that he desires us to build, to build with his fruit, to build by his character, to build by his ways, to not become content with the weight that we're lifting right now, with the way that we're building right now, and to continue to grow and to mature. Because there's a city, there's a people, there is a nation who are waiting and groaning for the maturing of the sons of God. There's a people who are waiting to hear. How will they not hear of him of whom they, not, they have not heard? How will they know of him unless there's a preacher of the word? Guys, it's not going to just be me. It's not going to just be Colt. It's every person in this room. Every one of you, he's given a mouthpiece. Every one of you, he's given a mandate to build on the foundation of the apostolic, the prophetic. To be concerned with the things he's concerned with. So Father, we, we come before you today. We want to build your house. We want to build your people. We want to build in the way that you're building. We hear the word of the Lord today. This invitation to wake up to shake ourselves from the dust, to step out of apathy, and to step into what you're saying and what you're doing. You've been doing it for generations, Lord. Show us what you're doing in our generation. Show us what you're doing in our day, in our hour, so that we can throw ourselves into it. But Lord, would you release an apostolic grace over this room? Lord, let us not get caught up with such big words of apostolic and apostle. Lord, it wouldn't trip us up. Lord, this is, these are your words. Let us see us ourselves as a people who are sent by God. An apostolic people, a people who are sent by God into our world, all the world. Let this, the, the grace of this gift come on your body today. Let it come on Life Center. Pour out even now, Lord. So let an understanding come. Revelation come. Lord, would you activate this gift on the inside of us? This apostolic anointing, would you let it increase over this house? We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.